I wanted a place for people to receive authentic guidance and practical ways to awaken. Thought-provoking, paradigm-shifting, and empowering. This is about expanding our human consciousness to create a wave of new possibilities. I'm Dr. Teresa Willard-Wyke, and this is Quantum Minds TV. Welcome to Quantum Minds TV, where we take a deep dive into various conversations on what it's going to take to create a shift in human consciousness. Now, today on the show, I am delighted to have Billy Carson joining me once again. Uh, Billy is the founder and CEO of Forbidden Knowledge TV, as well as the best-selling author of The Compendium of the Emerald Tablets and Woke Doesn't Mean Broke. He's also the winner of the 2022 Stellar Citizens Award. Now, Billy's also earned a Certificate of Science with an emphasis in neuroscience at MIT and a Certificate in Ancient Civilizations from Harvard University. Now, among Billy's notable achievements, he is also the CEO of the First Class Space Agency based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which is involved in research and development of alternative propulsion systems and zero-point energy devices, which is very relevant to our conversation today. So welcome, Billy, to Quantum Minds TV, and thank you for joining me again and being my distinguished guest. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. So today's topic is going to be um, a different one for my audience because I really wanted to bring some attention to the disclosure that is happening of UFOs or UAPs, as they're calling them now, unidentified anomalous phenomena, I believe is what UAP means. Yep. And unidentified aerial phenomenon. Aerial, but also they're submersible, right? So under the waters, yes. I think they've re renamed that to anomalous. It's anomalous in some way. Um, yeah. And so disclosure is finally happening at a mainstream level, although it's mm -hmm. as you and I know it's been happening for quite a while in sort of alternative circles. Um, yeah. But I would say since 2017, uh, the latest cycle of this disclosure has really come out because there was a New York Times uh, article that reported upon a $22 million Pentagon UFO UAP program that was still being funded between 2007 to 2012. Um, and so I just want to give a little history here as, as terms of the sequence of what really spurred this on for those who haven't mm -hmm. yet really been paying attention as much. Um, so, so 2017, and then there was also uh, in before Trump left office in 2020, he gave a presidential proclamation that mandated uh, that the Pentagon disclose all information uh, that they had on UAPs and UFOs within 180 days. So by April, they started to release some footage of declassified footage. Uh, and that's when like the Tic Tac uh, UFO UAP sort of footage came out and a whole bunch of mainstream media started reporting on it. And, uh, and then the uh, Pentagon and Department of Defense and Congress started AARO, A-A-R-O. I don't know what the acronym actually stands for. Anomalous something research office. Do you know what that one stands for, AARO? Yeah, they, they have so many acronyms now. I just call them Arrow. I, mean, <laughs> I, know. I know what they do there, but it's just, <laughs> yeah. they make up these, these these crazy acronyms. They have a million of them. Arrow is being headed by Sean Kirkpatrick. Um, and that was, that was started in 2022. 
Um, and they've also started to engage NASA. So over the um, 2023, like mid-2023, I believe they had a uh, a conference, an open conference with NASA. And there wasn't really much, uh, I would say, other than we don't have enough data that they were saying. And we mm-hmm. need NASA to support us with the data. And, um, and Arrow has come out with a few official statements saying, well, we don't know of any we don't have any evidence of any reverse engineering program or, you know, but we do know that we can say that there are definitely anomalous phenomenon happening and they're not ours. So we don't know who's mm-hmm. them or what they are, this kind of thing. And they seem to be defying known laws of physics. Uh, but from what I've observed, Arrow seems to be taking a very passive approach. They're saying, well, we're open mm-hmm. to receive information, anyone who wants to come forward and report it, but they're not putting on their boots and going and knocking on doors. Uh, no. Have you, what, what, <laughs> what, what's your assessment of Arrow and, and the role that they're playing right now? Yeah, they're taking a very calculated approach to this whole disclosure thing. What their um, agenda really is, in my personal opinion, is to gather information, gather intel from the general public just to appease us. In other words, keep us, hey, give us your information. We'll We'll take a look at it. To be quite honest with you, they see, hear, smell, taste, touch, everything that exists, not only on the planet, in the atmosphere, as well as outside of our uh, Earth's atmosphere. So they know everything that's going on in real time, nonstop. So a lot of the times when somebody's reporting, or 99% of the time somebody, somebody reports something, they've already known about it, probably even have better intel on it than the person that's reporting it. Mm. But they're there just to be a... Um, uh, a doorstop. In other words, you come here, okay, great, hand us the information and we'll pass it on. But they're not really doing any deep research into right. any of the reported claims or reported sightings that, that, they're being, that they've been getting. Mm-hmm. What they're here to do is to pacify the general population mm-hmm. while behind the scenes, you know, what they're really doing is analyzing data that they've captured on their own intelligence. And so it's just another way of pacifying people. Unfortunately, they're not going to really dig too deep into it. Don't look for any big, big reports to come out of Arrow anytime soon. And if it does, if they do come out with a report, it's going to be very, very ambiguous. And it's not going to make any hard, straight claims. Mm. You know, it seems like a little bit of a catch-22 because Arrow is supposed to be under congressional oversight. But really, they seem to be under Department of Defense oversight. And the Department of Defense is controlling what is classified and what is declassified. And they aren't allowed to say anything about any classified. And most uh, data collection that's happening on any kind of military or satellite, you know, it's going to be classified. Uh, Whereas they need civilian data, which would then be declassified. And yet at the same time, if somebody has a photo of something, it doesn't actually have much data to it other than, well, there was something in the sky. Because what they're wanting is like the, the, you know, the infrared, the thermography, you know, all these other types of data sources that they can collect, but those are more military grade. So they're going to be classified. So it's an interesting catch 22. And it almost seems like their hands are kind of tied. Uh, Mm And, and so there's not a real effort, you know, to, to make it happen, but they want to make it scientific. But that's why they're engaging the NASA and other scientists. And I do appreciate yeah. at least that they're trying to engage the scientific and academic world and destigmatize because the stigmatization yeah. of this topic has been a real impediment to the mm-hmm. whole 
disclosure process. So, uh, I mean, have you encountered, because you're, you're, this is more your field, so have you encountered yeah. that much of that stigma uh, effect still? Well, no, it's starting to really break down. I mean, people that used to hear me talk about UFOs and, and aliens and life on other planets, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, are now all coming back to me saying, hey, I can't believe it. You were right the whole time, you know? So they're starting to really believe it and they're starting to ask more questions. So even though we're not getting the kind of disclosure we actually want from the government, we are getting the fact that, you know, they're talking about it enough to where now people are saying, oh, this is actually real. There are potentially UFOs and beings from other planets and so forth and so on. So now it's an open discussion. Even when I'm in restaurants, sometimes I hear people sitting around talking about UFOs and UAPs and aliens. Whereas before, a decade ago, I would never hear a conversation like that openly open public place. So, you know, it's, it's just gradually drip by drip. People are becoming more aware and more understanding and opening their minds more to the reality that we're not alone. And they're starting to ask more questions. So the benefit of all of this, you know, Arrow and ATIP and all these other programs, the benefit that we do have, at least the fact that people are becoming more open to this information. Well, you know, as you mentioned, how everyone is starting to get more engaged in it. And I think that a lot of that has to do with uh, the events that happened in June and July uh, 2023, when the uh, their first, there was the News Nation uh, sort of breaking news special where investigative uh, reporter Ross Coulthard was interviewing the whistleblower, David Grush, uh, for the first time. So this was Grush's coming out. And that happened in June yeah. 2023. And then we had um, in July, uh, July 26, 2023, we had the congressional hearing. So it was a House subcommittee uh, where they interviewed two military fighter pilots, both David Fravor and Ryan Graves, along with whistleblower David Grush. And, uh, if, you know, if people haven't watched that whole congressional hearing, I highly recommend it, like just as well as the News Nation interview, because they were very uh, revealing. I don't think that there was anything in the in the hearing that wasn't already revealed in the News Nation um, feature, but I think they're both really worth watching. So that yeah. seems to really, you know, created the snowball effect. Now you get people dividing into different narratives. You have you have your skeptics still who are just you know staunch skeptics. <laughs> you have <laughs> your um, People who are coming at it from, you know, this really is happening and there's a lot of evidence and a lot of people with credible backgrounds who, you know, can can speak directly to it from firsthand and secondhand. Uh, then you have your UFO community who have always been believers or longtime believers, but then it's a very mixed bag. Uh, sometimes yeah. that community can be its own worst enemy. Um and then you have people who, who don't really know what to, to make of it all. So, mm -hmm. and I think there's a lot of agendas. So I'd like to, to just spend a little bit of time here talking about some of the various agendas in this disclosure movement that is happening. And, and because people who aren't so familiar with it and maybe are starting to explore are um, trying to wade through the marsh, if you will, and and find out who can I... Who, whose version or narrative should I believe? Who can I trust? Who, who are the trustworthy sources? Who to be, how to discern through the agendas? Because there are lots of different agendas that are happening out there. So what advice do you have? Well, one of the advices that I have is to really, uh, a bit of advice I have, I should say, is to really 
um, scrutinize the government's version of the facts. If somebody's just getting into this and they're basing their perspective only on what the Pentagon releases or what government press release says, then what they're going to find is um, they're really just following an agenda, which always is about follow the money. And so let me start with the government agenda first. The government agenda is to make money, and, and it always is. It's all about money and power. And how that how does that work out in this particular case with UFOs and UAPs? Well, first of all, let's look at this. They rename UFO to UAP, right? So they've taken the they didn't want to be labeled as tinfoil wearing hat crazies like they told us we were. So they changed the acronym to UAP. That's number one. Number two, unfortunately, um, you know, we've gone around the world already and brought democracy to a lot of nations. And through that method of bringing democracy to nations and taking over their resources and installing puppet dictators, we've really uh, generated trillions of dollars and a lot of money through wars mm -hmm. that were kind of really initiated on our own part. And there is no more, or there are no more countries to invade and there are no more resources to steal. I'll just be quite frank with you. And so now it goes to, hey, well, what are we going to do now to continue to keep funding this war engine? Well, we got to make the Space Force. And so we're going to create this Space Force. We're going to relabel these things UAPs. And they're now a national threat. They're an international global threat to security even. We know that for a fact that, uh, you mm -hmm. know, veterans have come forward and testified uh, in one of the very first disclosures that these uh, vehicles have showed up live at flights. Flights are nuclear silos way out in the middle of nowhere, all around the world, not just in America. And they've shown up in broad daylight and they've actually deactivated nuclear codes on live nukes. They didn't activate them. They deactivated them, sending us a message that, hey, you guys aren't going to use these even if you wanted to. And so they realized, hey, let's flip this. We know they've showed up, but we're going to turn this into a negative. They're, they can access our nukes. They can destroy the planet whenever they're ready. We should be uh, afraid of these beings. And so in order to do this, we're going to need to fund trillions of dollars of U.S. tax dollars into this space force. Now, when you analyze what they're really doing, they're saying we've run out of places to invade. We have no more, no more wars to fight. So now we've got to take a war to space. And these beings are our next natural enemy. And so they're going to use a fear tactic to make the hearts of Americans flutter to get us to think that there's a threat in space that's coming to Earth to destroy us. And we have to now unify together to fight against this uh, this uh, this alien race, whoever they are. Yeah. And, and that, so that goes back to, utilize, if I may, that goes back to at least Ronald Reagan. Right. I, there was a yeah. quote Ronald Reagan saying, you know, what what greater enemy could possibly unite the whole of humanity than a threat from outer space and mm -hmm. that, that that narrative has been played out a number of times so it's like the bigger enemy yeah. the bigger enemy the bigger enemy that then justifies the war machine and mm -hmm. so that military perspective especially as this was all coming out like in 2017 the narrative was so much like any mainstream media that was reporting it it was always the potential threat it's a potential mm -hmm. it's a potential threat yeah. and even some of the you know, and I think that, okay, to be fair to some of the witnesses who were in that congressional hearing, they're coming from the perspective of being the pilot and these unidentified 
you know, objects are, are intercepting them and mm-hmm. had no idea what they were or, or where they were coming from and how to control it. So it could be a potential threat from the military perspective. But when you're wearing the lens of intelligent, you know, national security and, you know, department of defense and war, and it's everything's a potential threat because if it's outside your control, therefore it must be a potential threat. So I see where they're coming from, but the narrative of the media pushing, pushing, pushing the potential threat um, is 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 very much playing into what you're talking about, is trying to fund that war machine. Yeah, that's what they want to do. And the, what we have to be aware of is that a lot of these UAPs, even like the Tic Tac incident, probably not UFOs from outer space, mm-hmm. to be quite honest with you. The ones that are buzzing our ships and our Navy vessels and, and buzzing pilots in the sky, most likely, not all, but most likely the majority of them are ours. Black budget programs that have been funded with no congressional oversight that are being seen in the skies. And eventually what might happen, I'm not saying will, but might happen is they may do another one of these Gulf of Tonkin incidents. If you can remember Vietnam War, they lied about the Gulf of Tonkin incident to initiate the Vietnamese War. And in my mind, what they're doing is brewing up to the point where they'll take one of these UAPs that are black projects and and uh, have it appear to attack a ship or maybe even actually attack one of our own ships in order to drive more funding and revenue towards that space force and build space uh, weapons for space. And this is something that that in uh, David Grush's you know, witness report or whistleblower report, he did say that there is a multi-decade crash retrieval and reverse engineering program mm-hmm. that's been happening uh, and it's so compartmentalized and, and secretized and sometimes privatized to protect it, its secrecy from, you know, various Freedom of Information Act and government oversight, uh, but it's happening underneath uh, and, and under no one's control other than their own. And it's uh, yeah. multinational, potentially, not just a U.S. thing. It's a multinational kind of organization that's operating on its own rules. And, and uh, so I know that Greer talks about this quite a bit as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a fact. I mean, like Rush said, we have vehicles not of this world and bodies, fully <laughs> intact bodies. So where are these things? Well, they're in an underground base somewhere being reverse engineered. And, uh, you know, we're converting them into new uh, high tech, uh, you know, obviously they're, you know, pro- black budget vehicles that are flying around these, you know, TR3B and the Aurora projects and all these other projects that are supposed to exist that are really, uh, you know, obviously uh, not being held out front and saying, hey, guys, this is our new technology. This is what we've got, because if they do that, they're going to people are going to say, hey, well, we want this technology because it can be utilized for things in civilian society that can make our lives better. So that's why they keep these things tucked away. They want to use them as war machines only and not give that technology to the people who deserve it. Mm-hmm. And so when you're talking about information that you can take a look at, you can watch After Contact, which is actually on Forbidden Knowledge TV. It's hosted by Nick Pope. And that show is talking about we're, we're already admitting that aliens exist and that these UFOs are real and that we have been getting visited. So let's stop pretending like we don't know that's happening. And let's talk about now what happens after contact is made. And then there's a host of people that come on the show from various different uh, areas of science and research and language and, and law and everything else to hypothesize ways that we can handle 
the fact of the point of after contact. We know it's here. We know it's existing. And mankind moving forward in collusion or collaboration uh, with these people. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have Dr. Stephen Greer, who has a, a you know a, a lot of documentaries on Amazon Prime and Netflix that have hit number one multiple times, uh, which talk about you know, for example, the newest one, The Lost Century, which talks about all these suppressed technologies that we're not getting access to that have been discovered from reverse engineered uh, you know, technology from these beings and now have even gone into these new uh, spaceships that even exist that are, of course, whole technology that would free up mankind's problems for energy, uh, for gravity, for water and everything else. But they're holding these technologies away in these black budget un- un- uh, undisclosed projects. And it's really unfortunate. So, but you can look at Dr. Stephen Greer's work. You can look at shows like After Contact. Um, you know, you have to be aware of some of these UFO accounts and UFO sites that are online. I don't want to name them, but some of them are just utilizing the fame of it for agenda based to to get likes and views and generate revenue and money for themselves. There's a few YouTube accounts that just make up stuff or post stuff that's not real or use AI images. I've seen AI now so, used so much to generate interest and views. It's like clickbait. Mm-hmm. Um and then they just generate the view and they've made money off of your view. And then, you know, but the information is false. And then those images, unfortunately, and those video clips have been getting passed around. Some have gone viral and they're totally fake. They're just made by AI. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot to sort through, you know, which is why you want to go to watch shows like by, you know, anything we have on Forbidden Knowledge TV or, or your network, uh, Dr. Bullard, or, or, or um, you know, even like I say, Dr. Stephen Greer, then you have an opportunity to probably get as close to the truth as possible. Yeah. But there is a lot of fake stuff out there. And there's so many AI images being passed around now as real UFOs and real video clips of UFOs that are just totally faked. I've been doing so much um, watching of the various videos that are coming out from what I think are more credible sources. But I'm also mm-hmm. doing it to try and see, okay, where's this person's agenda? Where's that person's agenda? You know, and there's some pretty... Yeah. I mean, if anyone starts to look uh, on even just YouTube, for example, and they start to look, uh, they're going to see names like um, uh, Jeremy Corbyn, and um, they're going to see, of course, Ross Coulthard, who interviewed um, Grush. They're going to see Gary Nolan, who's a a professor at Stanford, I believe. Um, They're going to see Avi Loeb, who's a professor at Harvard. You know, so they're going to see certain very credible people who are coming out. And then they're going to see others who are coming, you know, from the the military side of things. Maybe they were involved, like Lou Elizondo, they were involved in, you know, the intelligence community. Uh, And are they one of the people who's, trying to steer the conversation according to the certain potential threat narrative or are they really genuine you know it, so there's so many agendas and even a lot of agendas i mean it's crazy yeah even um you know people like there's certain funding i think coming out from some of the uh high tech you know co- um companies maybe tesla maybe google maybe you know amazon some of these billionaires who are interested in space travel but they don't have skin they don't have a piece in the game because they're newer big corporations versus the old aerospace corporations that would have been around in the 50s when all of this start started getting kind of divvied out and they want yeah they want 
in the game. And so they're pushing for disclosure. But again, there might be some selfish agendas involved. They have brilliant minds. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be able to have an opportunity to investigate these things. Um, But again, you have to uh, like look at it. What I love about Stephen Greer's uh, Lost Century documentaries um, some of his documentaries can be a bit frightening, <laughs> but they, they ultimately come around in the end to yeah. a, a message of yeah. hope, which I do yeah. appreciate. And um, I love that he is saying, like, look, these these technologies, like the technology for clean, free energy from vacuum, you know, from the zero point mm-hmm. quantum zero point vacuum, it's already it's already done, right? The ability to clean up the air, it's already done. The ability to you know create cars based that that are fueled on water it's already done anti-gravitics is already done and these have been confiscated unfortunately in the Mm. the interest of national security they've been confiscated and kept out of the public and so you know he's saying we're about a century behind in our technological evolution as a human race and on this planet because they've been confiscated and it's time for it to come out at least those things that could be used to support energy you know cleaner energy uh and and create energy independence but the problem with that is it's going to really upset the economy so there are Mm -hmm. certain powers that be that don't want that disruption to come in mm-hmm. uh and so this is i think where the big battle it seems like is happening there's the people who feel no the the, the public is ready to know and we you know they have a right to know and then there's you know the war machine that still wants power and control so it's like an old paradigm versus a new paradigm push yeah. that struggle that's happening mm-hmm. even behind the scenes right now oh yeah for sure and what you're going to see is things are going to have to get slightly worse before they get better for us because that's just the process of change and a paradigm shift. It's not that it's going to be all, you know, a cakewalk all the way through until it shifts into a whole new economic type of a system and a whole new uh, slew of industries come out that are basically based on free and green and true help for the uh, for the for the people of the world. There's going to be a, a process in between where things are going to get a little shaky and people have to be aware of that, be prepared for that as well. We know that when the global sickness took over the planet. Everything got shut down, and that, of course, crashed the stock market and everything else. So that was a period of time where you saw, okay, the world literally hit the off switch. Everything came to a complete halt, and then a switch was turned back on, and everything came back. So my question is, well, if if that can happen, well, every industry was shut down at the same time. Why can't we begin to shut down individual industries uh, over a period of time, you give them a four to five year span to shut down and bring a new one up at the same time, right? You get out of, like, for example, these electric vehicles, they're killing the planet. Electric vehicles are the worst things right. that they ever invented right. on this planet. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the 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 lithium batteries and the cobalt that, you know, this is forced child labor coming out of Africa. People, kids are using their hands to dig the ore out of the ground, with their bare hands, and they're dying in these mines and, and uh, in, in the middle of Africa. And then you have the fact that these batteries are toxic. They're more toxic than a than an engine block. Yeah. It's better to have an engine block in the soil than it is to have a battery. And you, there's no recycling of these batteries because there's so many different versions of the battery because they were made by open source. So everybody made a different kind. So the, the true thing here is to move into hydrogen-powered cars, which is where everything is going to go. Everything eventually is going to be hydrogen-powered. They'll use electrolysis to extract the hydrogen atoms from uh, from water. And that'll be pushed into the chamber for combustion, and we'll have clean, uh, clean running vehicles that way. 
or that's coming in the future. Electric cars are going to completely die out. But these things, you need to shut down the EV market, give them five to 10 years and bring hydrogen up while that's going down. These, I mean, it's not going to end the world. They have these concepts in their mind like, oh, if we do this, everything is going to come to a halt. Millions of people will be out of work. Everything's going to be kind of crap. Well, you guys turn the switch off and we close the whole planet down and then turn it back on again. So, so there's no more fear, in my heart at least, that closing down an entire industry is going to collapse everything anymore. Now I know for a fact that that's not the case, but people seem to have forgotten already. We turned the planet off and turned it back on again. Yeah. So that means we can do that with anything we want. You know, what's interesting is that the timing of COVID, just saying, mm-hmm. March 2020, it was right before the uh, Pentagon had to release their report on UAP. That's right. It was April 2020. So it's so interesting that the whole world got redirected towards the big enemy of the invisible virus. Yeah. And, right. you know, all the all the mass distraction around it. And so all of this, you know, disclosure stuff that started happening right around that time got buried on page yeah. 20. Uh, yeah. Interesting time. Nobody cared about it. Nobody, everybody's like, oh, aliens, okay, whatever. But I'm going to die tomorrow from this virus. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I got to wash my shoes before I come in the house now. So they were, they, they can care less about what the Pentagon was talking about. Right. Now we have no, no worry. You know, we don't have to worry about the upsets of the economy if we have to shift from you know, fossil fuel based or even solar wind, whatever, into a true, clean, limitless energy source, such as if we can tap into the quantum vacuum. And I I do love what Greer, you know, is proposing, uh, which is that we need to, um, you know, there are like small units that have been created, like solid state units that are somehow drawing upon either the quantum vacuum or the Earth's resonance, uh, energy and, and magnetism fields, and then and then putting out more energy than what they're drawing upon or requiring to, to get it going. So there's, you know, an, a, a, a net sum energy coming out that we could then take all over the world and help people become more energy independent. Uh, so it would be a complete radical shift in the whole infrastructure. And then if you add on top of that anti-gravitics, where now we can have cars that, you know, levitate, uh, we don't need paved surface roads, we don't have as much friction, you know, we can have a lot more energy efficiency in our transportation. So the whole infrastructure changes, but this is what it's going to take to create that shift to what scientists call a type one society which we're on the verge of right now we're at this like 0.7 whereas a type one is harnessing all the resources of of the nearby sun and the star and the planet itself but doing it in a in a healthy way versus having to use uh energy sources that are depletable uh so yeah, maybe you can share more because I know you have your own uh, research and company that's into all of this tech stuff. So what what else would you like to say about this? Well, you know, with uh, the zero point, it's, a, it's an interesting opportunity for us to really bring electricity and freedom to the entire planet. And so obviously, they, once you let, get, a, get a third world country to level up and become a first world country, then, you know, they're afraid that, 
the the power struggle will shift and they would the boot will come off that country's neck basically and so that's why the zero points being suppressed so hard mm -hmm. there's a lot of other things out there that we can be working on as well though like perpetual motion generators which have never truly been fully successfully done but i believe that they are possible there's a couple that have been taken over by eminent domain by the government so we know that they can be created and uh, there's one that a, a rudimentary one that i created myself that literally generates electricity enough to charge a phone or turn on a light bulb it's got a problem that i need an engineer with torque and gear ratio, right? But these things are possible. Imagine having a magnetic generator that once you start it, the only electric charge you need is that it will kick to start the generator. And then from there, it never turns off. Mm. And it's silent and generates electricity nonstop. It's not completely silent, but it's, you know, maybe a, a, you know, a half a decibel or so. And so these are things that can power people in the farthest reaches of even the jungle and give them electricity. Mm -hmm. And it's totally clean because all you have to do is just keep the ball bearings uh, oiled every now and then, you know, basic service to keep it running properly. And then, um, you know, and, and then of course, solar panels, which, like you say, harnessing the sun's power. The solar panels we have now are garbage. <laughs> and I learned this because I invented this battery. It's a specialized AGM battery that can power a small house for about four days without uh, being recharged. But it can also trickle charge from solar. And then it can also rapid charge when your power comes on. It's designed for brownouts. And through this process of creating this battery, I discovered that the solar panel I was trying to utilize only had a 15% maximum conversion ratio. And I'm like, 15%? Why is this not converting at uh, 70, 80, 90%? I can understand some loss and you know in the conversion process but not that much so i started looking i said maybe it's this product and maybe it's this company i'm using so i started looking for more solar panels and every company i went to to get solar panels some of them were even three percent four percent two percent i even found one that was one percent conversion <laughs> and i'm going why are these solar panels not converting electricity <laughs> and so i found a I contacted one company and they sent me the link to a government page and basically it's a <laughs> It's a government order. You know, it's a political order that they put into place. They got it passed a long time ago. And basically, this bill uh, bans the uh, the use of solar panels that can convert higher than 15%. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a so very direct uh, suppression of innovation <laughs> and progress. Wow. Yeah. And this has gone around the entire planet. There's no company that you can find on this planet that will give you a, a solar panel that actually converts power higher than 15%, which is the craziest thing I've ever seen. So they've got a boot, the boot on our neck even with the solar panels. If we can get solar panels to do what they're supposed to do at 75 80%, all of a sudden, you know, you have all the clean energy you need. You can take a small amount of area out of Colorado where nobody's living, like a valley and cover it with solar panels that have the right capacity for a conversion, and you can power the entire United States for free. Mm -hmm. That's all we would need. Mm -hmm. But again, the powers that be, uh, you know, they put this limitation. They know this, so they put a limitation on solar panels conversion rates. So these are some of the things that, you know, need to be bypassed. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, we're working on other technologies as well. Uh, there's, a, there's a crystal that you can, that can actually store oxygen. And so this crystal can store oxygen and it can also generate power when you apply pressure to it. So it can store oxygen and it can create power or it can, it gives off power or, or energy, really it gives off energy when you apply pressure to it. 
and it can be utilized even in an air tank. So air tanks can be reduced by two-thirds the size and weight and increased the amount of oxygen supply by two-thirds more. And it's just a crystal that has the capability of harnessing and holding in oxygen and releasing it on a steady rate. And it can also, the same exact crystal can release um, electricity or, or energy, which can be converted into electricity. So these are some of the technologies that we're working on mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and looking forward to uh, bringing to open source. Mm -hmm. One thing that we're not going to do is we're not going to try and go for patents on this yeah. because going for a patent would be a suicide mission or they're just going to eminent domain your idea and throw it on a shelf and it'll never get out to the general public. And so, yeah, the concept we have is to open source it. That was another really good point of Stephen Greer's in the last century is as soon as inventors try to patent or apply for a patent, yeah. it gets confiscated in the name of national security or it gets taken and, and shelved. Uh, so the open sourcing idea being really transparent, you know, very much. And I think Elon Musk really proved that open sourcing your technology only aids the industry to grow. I mean, you, yeah. you look at what he did with the electric car with Tesla. He, he created mm -hmm. his own showing people do want this and it can be sexy versus just these sort of ugly yeah kind of cars that were, you, you know, the old electric cars are like, who wants to buy one of those yeah. and drive that? Yeah. Um, he showed it can be sexy, it can be efficient, it can be fast. And then he open sourced and he said, every other car manufacturer out there wants to know how we do our engines. Here you go. Boom. And then, you know, the market mm -hmm. started to explode. And, and I, yeah. what I love there is it shows you can open source and you can make lots of money still by providing a good quality product and service. And, and that's we, it exactly yeah so so let's get these technologies out there and let's get them in the hands of creative entrepreneurial innovative people so that they can mm -hmm. start you know making all kinds of things that uh you know maybe will solve some of the world's issues and you know i wanted to come back a little bit because i think um that there are certain third world countries that have readiness to invest that are not tied into a particular infrastructure like we are in yeah. the first world. And because they're not tied into that infrastructure, they will be willing to, you know, implement and try out some of these newer technologies and innovations. And, and they're going to wind up leapfrogging first world nations if the first world nations don't get their act together and let go of their attachments to the old you know, the old paradigm, the old infrastructure, yeah. the old way of doing things. So we have to reinvent ourselves because otherwise we will mm -hmm. become obsolete. Uh, yeah. you know, just like, you know, Buckminster Fuller said is, is to stop trying to change the system from within the system, create a new system that makes the old system obsolete. Mm -hmm. And that, that is happening right now. Uh, yeah. but unfortunately, we're, we're, you know, the, the big machine is clinging to the old system. Yeah. And the problem we have with this idea and this concept of what you're talking about is, you know, trying to sustain an empire for eternity is impossible. And if you don't believe that, just look at history. There is no one empire that has persisted forever. All empires seem to rise and fall. And so when you have a, especially a dark empire, <laughs> uh, the chances of it sustaining for eternity are pretty slim because at the end of the day, People get fed up. It's our natural instinct to fight against, um, you know, adversity and to persevere above the darkness. It's just a natural instinct. We may go through cycles where we are, you know, allowing ourselves to be oppressed for a period of time, 
But they even, even that has a time limit because people also get to a point where they say enough is enough. Yeah. And so what America has to do is they have to realize that the big brains in this country, a lot of them are imported brains on the, uh, I think it's the SB1 visa or whatever it's called that allows these people to come in here with the minds for science and technology and help build or, or create. But even at a point, these people are not going to want to come here anymore. They're going to want to stay in their home countries and continue to develop over there. So we've got to be very careful here in this country uh, to not allow ourselves to, like you say, get leapfrogged by other third world nations that become first world nations just because they're willing to make the adjustments and changes uh, that we're not willing to make. Even something as simple as all of our government websites in America are the worst websites I've ever seen in history. <laughs> These websites must be created by, uh, you know, I don't know, by monkeys. I don't know if they can't even be grade school kids can make better websites than these <laughs> than these websites that we have here. So, you know, something as simple as changing our own websites, yeah. which are horrible. I remember when Obama was the president and they had the <laughs> Obamacare. They kept crashing. <laughs> you couldn't even go on the website and fill out the forms. So something is simply even changing that infrastructure, that digital infrastructure, it completely needs to be wiped out and changed over to something uh, totally new and upstream. So yeah. upscale. So we have to, we, we're, we're falling behind at an, at an enormous, enormous rate. And what's, what's on, the only thing keeping us in our position right now is the military strength and the fear of the military. Other than that, we'd already have been taken over. Yeah, well, I like what you said about, you know, nations rise and fall. And this even ties into an ancient hermetic principle, the principle of rhythm, that, you know, yes. there are cycles and tides and all things rise and fall, you know, empires and nations rise and fall. And, and then, you know, you add that to the principle of polarity, where the swing of the pendulum to the left equals a swing in the mm. to the right. And we're seeing that swing, you know, back and forth and back and forth right now. And it's going to these extremes. Um, and so when, when we're, you know, if you look at America, it's only a couple hundred years old. Uh, mm -hmm. And in terms of its rise and fall time cycle, it's, it's, you know, it's not quite at the end of the cycle, but it needs to do yeah. something to reinvent it, to, to, catalyze a new cycle uh otherwise yeah. it will go through that rise and fall but then you go back to like ancient egypt and and certain other empires they were they were thriving for three thousand years now so that puts yeah. things in perspective it's like now what is it that they had that we don't have and i think like mm -hmm. the the wisdom um that was you know ingrained within their society uh, from big mm -hmm. wisdom and the wisdom of Toth and, and the ancient Egyptian yeah. sort of uh, tradition was um, very spiritual in its way. Mm -hmm. And so I, yeah. I think that in our world today, we're also going more and more and more secularized uh, and mm -hmm. less and less connection to any form of spirit. I don't even need to talk about, you know, from it has to be a religious context, just any form yeah. of spirit, it's, you know, we're becoming more and more secularized. And so yeah. we're lacking the wisdom. And this is this is an important topic, I think, because I've often felt as um, and actually this is at the core of why I left traditional you know, physics as a, as a researcher mm. was I saw that while our knowledge and our technology were advancing, our, mm. it was starting to outpace our wisdom and how we were, you know, what guiding principles we were using to apply the knowledge and the technology. So when I look yeah. at, you know, the, this disclosure happening right now, and I look at the push 
uh, people like Stephen Greer and, and um, you know, that we have to get these technologies out there that have been confiscated or suppressed. I agree that they need to come out there, but I also wonder about the impact of all of this on human consciousness and mm. and is human consciousness at a level of wisdom that we could take these technologies and apply them towards the good versus take these technologies and apply them just purely selfishly and 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 out of greed or power and control in the same old same old paradigm uh, regardless of whether it's in the hands of the few or the hands of the many there's still an issue with human consciousness that i'd like to discuss mm -hmm. with you Oh, yeah. We definitely have to rise up a lot more. You've heard me say before that, you know, mankind is still a, a baby trying to learn how to crawl and walk. I think we're crawling now pretty good. We just got to really stand up and take some really good, strong steps um, because uh, we've got to get to the point where we claim our birthright, which is a higher level of wisdom, understanding and consciousness. Right now, uh, you know, I think the majority of people at their heart really have decent or good intentions, the majority of people. Uh, but the problem that we still have is we're so easily swayed to and fro by one agenda or one idea or concept or another. And it gets us so distracted that we lose uh, sight of our true, you know, pure loving self. Hmm. And we get caught up in these things like poly tricks and, <laughs> you know, religious uh, sects and, uh, and and all these other things that just come to to, to distract us. Fear, fear-based media. And that becomes our new God. You know, so we at, at our core, I believe the majority of people are pure and have pure love in their heart and want to see things change for the better and want to see themselves change for the better. But we're so susceptible right now to these distractions. And it's purely because of what, what you just said, the higher level of consciousness, the higher level of wisdom and understanding, different perspective, gaining perspective, be, being able to separate yourself from your thoughts, understanding that you're not your thoughts, you are the observer of your thoughts. And being able to distinguish that and separate yourself from what your body is physically doing based on the input it's getting and then being able to make adjustments to yourself and your thinking ability on the fly. And that will then will change the outcome of where you're headed in this paradigm. And so, again, it just it's, it's more about people learning about who they truly are and how to tap into who they are on the inside and to access that love frequency and to gain that empathy for other people on the outside so that we can move together as a solid unit as people on this planet and regain our birthright, which is not only taking back control of this planet, but also being able to move out into space as well. For those of you who are interested in finding out more on this very important topic and what sources I would recommend going and checking out, you can go down into the description below this video and I'll provide several links there for some videos, YouTube videos and so forth that I definitely recommend uh, doing your own research on and uh, these will be from sources that I believe have done a pretty good job at presenting uh, this particular issue around disclosure and, and what to make of it all. Uh, but thank you for joining us, and I invite you to join us again as we continue to dive even deeper into this fascinating and important conversation with Billy Carson on the next episode. This Conscious Conversation was created, produced, and recorded by Dr. Teresa Bullard-Wyke in collaboration with Billy Carson and edited by Verse Content and HH Films and Photo. The theme music and intro videography were created by Tim Mountain of Evenload Productions. Quantum Minds TV is a product of the Quantum Learning Academy.